This episode is brought to you by Visit Williamsburg. In Williamsburg, Virginia, there's never too much of a good thing. Whether you're a foodie, a golfer, a history buff, a shopaholic, an outdoor enthusiast, or a thrill seeker, you'll find what you came for here and more. So ask yourself, what is it you want? Discover Williamsburg and plan your trip at visitwilliamsburg.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Welcome to another edition of the Bike Radar Podcast. I am your host, Simon von Bromley, Bike Radar's senior technical writer, and today I am joined by Oscar Huckle, one of Bike Radar's technical writers and our resident workshop nerd. How are you doing, Oscar? Not too bad, Simon. How are you? Yeah, really good, thank you. Now today we are going to be talking about bicycle chain wear, how to know when it's time to replace your chain. Now, the chain is one of the hardest working components on your bike, so keeping it in tip-top condition is crucial for both efficiency and safety. So, in this podcast, we're going to explain what bicycle chain wear is, how you can measure it, and crucially, why you should care. But before we get onto that, how are things, Oscar? What have you been up to recently? Things have been good, Simon. Uh, I've been testing a Trek Marlin recently for a standalone review, uh, among other things. And generally- What type of bike is that? Uh, so that's an entry-level mountain bike, so it costs, I think it's £1,230, uh, which actually sounds like a lot considering how bike prices have changed and when you think about the spec that it comes with. Uh, but yeah, it's quite an interesting bike so far. Uh, beyond that, um, covering the latest news and buyer's guides and also have a few, a few other things on test. Cool, very good. Well, yeah, I'm currently... Just getting into our Bike of the Year testing, which uh, Bike of the Year, for those who don't know, is a big kind of uh, series of group tests that Bike Radar and our magazine Cycling Plus do every single year. Obviously, we call in all of the kind of top bikes available on the market in every kind of category. We've got road, aero road, you know, race bike, gravel, mountain bike, and, and it's just a huge thing. So we're testing lots and lots of lovely bikes, and then we will pick some winners to decide what is the bike of the year for 2023. So look out for that later in the year. I believe that will be published around May. So a little while off, but we've got a lot of testing to do. So let's get on to bicycle chain wear. Now, Oscar, can you tell us what, you know, when I say chain wear, what do we mean? What is chain wear? So a chain is made up of a number of different components. Uh, but essentially, over time, the chain's pins, which are sometimes known as the rivet, um, and the inner links wear, and as a result, the pitch or length of each link grows. Um, so a chain, when it's new, uh, will start at um, half an inch or 12.7 millimetres, and that's the spacing between the pins. And uh, because the chain's overall length grows as it wears, 
people often call this chain stretch, even though the metal itself doesn't actually stretch, but that's how it's referred to. Uh, and then as the chain wears, um, you'll find that the shifting isn't quite as crisp as it once was. And if you leave it uh, to wear for too long, it will then take the cassette and any chain rings out with it, uh, which you don't want to do that. So it's really crucial that you change the chain on time to avoid a, a costly bill. Yeah, that's right. So yeah, essentially, when we say chain wear, we're essentially talking about how a chain can essentially wear out through use. And obviously, you know, within a kind of bicycle drivetrain, as you're kind of turning the pedals, all of the kind of metal parts of it are meshing together. And, you know, inevitably, essentially, that's causing friction. And that friction is basically abrading the metal parts of your drivetrain. Is that right? Pretty much. Yeah. So you kind of touched on it there, a kind of couple of things, as you say, it can compromise shifting. And, you know, as you said, it could also, if you leave your kind of worn chain on your drivetrain, it can also wear out other parts. Uh, tell us how a worn chain can affect your shifting. Um, so because the chain stretches, even though I've just said that it doesn't really stretch, effectively, because it's grown, it doesn't sit correctly on the teeth of the cassette. Uh, it kind of hooks itself on top. And because it's not meshing with the cogs on the cassette or the teeth on the chain ring properly, um, it then starts to wear the profile of, of, of the teeth down. So quite often, for example, when when a chain is really worn, uh, the teeth on the chain ring or cassette um, are quite often referred to as looking like shark's teeth because they're sharp and pointy from where the chain's been riding high on it and wearing it out. And there we go. And uh, so let's talk about how we kind of measure the wear of a chain. Now, I think there are a number of different ways to do this, some of which involve specialist tools, but is it possible to kind of measure the wear of your chain with you know, rudimentary tools such as a ruler? It is, but I'd always recommend using a chain checker. So uh, to outline the different methods, first of all, you could just check by hand. Uh, so you could put the chain onto the big chain ring and the smallest uh, cog at the back. And providing the chain is the correct length, which is why this method isn't really accurate, um, if you try and pull the chain off the chain ring teeth, if it pulls off quite a lot, then that's a sign that it could be worn. But by doing that, you're not actually discovering how worn a chain is or if it's even worn at all. Because, for example, if it's cut too long, then of course the chain's going to be slacker and it's just not very accurate. Um, another way of doing it, as you uh, pointed to, is by using a ruler. Um, so uh, you could get a ruler uh, and starting from one link, um, measure measure along. Um, so different manufacturers have different guidelines for this. Uh, some of them are quite specific, such as Campagnolo, um, but effectively, generally, you'll measure between six different links. And if it's more than a certain measurement, uh, then it's worn. Uh, but the best tool to use is a chain checker. So We'll go into this shortly, but there are different types of chain checkers. But a chain checker is a tool that tells you if a chain is worn or not and how uh, and how worn it is. Uh, so the most basic ones are quite cheap, probably starting from maybe even less than £10. And typically on one side, uh, you have one measurement and on the other side, another measurement. So for example, 0.5 and 0.75. Uh, so... We'll probably come on to this later, but different speeds of chain have different wear limits. Uh, but effectively, you 
check the chain using one end and if the tip of the uh, gauge fully goes into the chain link then that suggests that it's worn and you can then check the other side and if it goes into there then it tells you that it's that amount worn. Uh, you've also got more specific chain checkers so you've got ones where well which also work in the same fashion but for example they might have an analog like adjustment on them where you put the tool in and flip a dial and it will tell you how worn it is and the best chain checkers are digital so again they work in the same way but they give you a precise reading of exactly how worn the chain is so it's that kind of digital chain checker is almost kind of like a set of vernier calipers isn't it but for a chain kind of yeah yeah so you kind of as you say you're kind of measuring that kind of gap between the kind of uh the pins i think yeah the, the the tool that i personally have is just one of those standard the, the kind of cheap drop-in ones where essentially you hook one end onto one roller and then as you say if, if the kind of opposite end of the chain if the opposite end of the tool falls in to the middle of the of the chain then you know it's worn to a certain extent and then yeah if if, if it does that and you flip it round then it and then the other side falls in as well then you know you've got a really worn chain so so you mentioned earlier about the two kind of measurements you get on a standard, it's got a basic chain checking tool, uh, 0.5 and 0.75. Now, for most people running a kind of modern road bike with maybe a, you know, a 10 to 12 speed drivetrain, you know, kind of like which of those or, you know, before or even after those should people be looking to re- kind of replace a chain? So the way to think about it is that any chain under 10 speed and excluding single speed uh, if it's at 0.75, that means you should change the chain and it hasn't worn the cassette or chain rings out with it. And if it's one, then you should also change the cassette. And if it's more than that, then maybe the chain rings. Uh, on 11 speed and 12 and 13, because the chain is thinner, uh, the wear limit is reduced. So you should change the chain when it's at 0.5. And if it if it stretches to 0.75, uh, then that's chain and cassette. Uh, different manufacturers have different recommendations. So, for example, I was doing some research the other day when I was writing the article for Barreda.com, uh, and for example, SRAM recommends actually changing its ETAP Access 12-speed chains when they're at 0.8, and it says that that shouldn't wear the cassette out. But to me, that that sounds like it's too far gone. Uh, and I think Shimano on its, they don't give a figure for its 12 speed chains, but for its 11 speed road chains, I think the figure was 0.75, which again is typically more than I'd like before I replace a chain. There are different debates out there. So for example, one that I agree with and one that I try and subscribe to myself is changing the chain when it's at 0.4, because that way you get more life out of your cassette and chain rings because the chain hasn't worn to the point that it needs replacing. Uh, Now, you may say to that, why don't I change it when it's at 0.3 or 0.2? But I think um, 0.4 is the point where you're getting a decent life out of your chain, but then not spending an extortionate amount of money on, on changing it more often than you need to. But that's getting quite nerdy. Yeah, I mean, I think I kind of like, I don't know, you know, We'll kind of get onto this later. We'll talk about lubrication a little bit. I think, you know, as, as you know, SRAM says, you know, you can take your chain to a kind of 0.8, an access chain to 0.8 before you replace it. And that, and that may well be true, you know, across their testing. It, but I think, as you're kind of alluding to there, there's a kind of risk reward thing where 
you, you know, the, the chain is typically the cheapest part of your drivetrain. So it makes sense to kind of replace that at the kind of, you know, earliest opportunity, because if you accidentally go too far, you know, you say you check your chain and it's, you know, 0.5 or whatever, and you think, oh, I'll just leave it a little bit longer. But then, you know, you go out and do a load of riding, you kind of forget about it, and you get to 0.75, and then you've started to wear your cassette, your chain rings, you know, potentially the jockey wheels on your derailleur as well. You know, the cost can quickly mount up, you know, especially if, um, you know, you've got a kind of higher end group set. Especially like on a one-by drivetrain, for example, where the cassette is the main part of the drivetrain and they can cost upwards of two, three hundred pounds. That's yeah. that suddenly gets very expensive when you could just change a thirty, forty pound chain. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's kind of like one of those things where the kind of the limits set by manufacturers are, as they say, like yes, you could you could get more life out of that chain potentially, but it's it's a kind of question of you know is it is it worth it? Yeah, <laughs> and going on from that. Uh, it's not true of every single system out there, but as a as a general rule, I would say that you can, providing you change the chain when you need to, so at its wear limit, you can typically get around three chains on one cassette, and that's much cheaper than changing the chain and cassette each time. I mean, say for example, a chain is twenty pounds, and it's you spend sixty pounds. And then a cassette, which is £50, for example, £110 over its life, compared to spending free, well, spending money on free chains and free cassettes. Okay, maybe that's over a longer period of time, but ultimately it's yeah, it, it uneconomical. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it definitely adds up. We've kind of already talked about this a little bit, but yeah, I think some of us would have ridden a bike which has had everything kind of worn in you know people used to say if campagnolo doesn't wear out it, it kind of you know wears in what happens if you you know if you don't you know, we kind of talked about the effects on your shifting but are there kind of any dangers in terms of you know to your safety of, of kind of like leaving a chain and yeah maybe your shifting deteriorates but is is that bike still rideable if the kind of ch- everything's worn it is to a degree but it depends how worn it is so for example if it's well Let's go back to the example of a 11-speed chain where if it's 0.75, that's chain and cassette. Yes, you could continue to use it, uh, but you're going to wear out the cassette. Um, and if you continue to leave it, you'll then start to wear out the chain rings, which are even more expensive than a cassette, and it's an unnecessary thing to do. But if you then let it get even more worn, then uh, because the teeth uh, on the cassette and the chain ring uh, get more pointy it it doesn't hold the chain as well so like we said the shifting's not going to be as good you may have problems with gear slipping from where the chain's not engaging properly on the cassette or the chain ring so it's pretty dangerous when you're out on a ride and your your gear slips for example because it's going to affect how you're pedaling you, you, you could fall off um, and eventually the chain's going to snap out on a ride and that's never fun to deal with <laughs> No, absolutely. And I like it, you know, we, I said this, you know, right at the start of this podcast, but the chain is one of the kind of hardest working parts on your bike. So, you know, I, I, we'll, again, we're coming on to lubrication shortly, but we often get a question of like, you know, often see people asking, can you reuse quick links, for example? And, you know, I, I you know, I, I, you know, manufacturers typically say, no, there are some that you can. I have reused quick links in the past, but like with anything like this, you know, you just don't want to be pushing your luck. Yeah. Um, two things actually on that point. First of all, when you're checking your chain for wear, 
make sure that you don't have the chain checker in the quick link uh, because the quick link is generally designed to be stronger so it's not going to wear wear in the same in the same fashion um, as other parts of the chain will so discount the quick link when you're checking your chain for wear make sure that you check it in multiple locations because a chain doesn't wear evenly so it's best to get three to five measurements and you should base the overall reading on where the chain is most worn. And actually, um, talking about how worn is too worn or the effects of riding with a chain that's too worn and how, how it could snap or how it wears the, the chain rings and cassette out. Sometimes, for example, if you've, if you've got an old bike uh, that doesn't get used very often uh, or you've bought a bike secondhand and you've noticed that the chain and cassette are worn. Well, if they're worn anyway, then why not ride it for a bit longer? Um, I mean, you may as well ride it until the point where you start to get more problems such as slipping. Uh, but if you need to replace it anyway, then you might as well get more more bang for your buck and ride it until until it gets worse. So it's not it's not really as black and white as I've explained. There are there are exceptions to the rule sure so let's talk about um what we can do to kind of reduce chain wear now obviously you could ride your bike less yeah (laughs) (laughs) but we're probably that's not probably something we're going to recommend on this podcast so um you know what what is it that causes other than kind of you know just riding what is it that causes chain wear and kind of more importantly are is there anything that we can do to kind of slow that rate of, of chain wear down so it's probably going to be a boring thing to say, but making sure your bike is clean, uh, that's the answer to every question. Uh, because if you're riding with a dirty chain, then all the grit and contaminants that are on the chain slowly eat away at everything. And it doesn't feel nice to ride, but also it, it wears components out. And the choice of chain lubricant is also critical uh, because, for example, a poor quality lubricant uh, doesn't properly get into the rollers of the chain um, or if it's thick it kind of attracts dirt um, or well whereas a high quality lubricant uh, won't do that um, or as you like to do um, waxing your chain could be an option as well uh, but yeah it, it's a bit of a minefield out there but th- those are the main main steps to take to prevent chain wear I would yeah. say. Yeah, exactly. I, I like you say a clean bike is a, is generally a happy bike, and I, and I definitely subscribe to that. And I think especially with your drivetrain, the kind of if you want to you know reduce wear, extend the life of your parts, you know reduce your kind of running costs, the the kind of main thing to do is basically to keep it clean. Now, you know, cleaning a chain can mean a number of different things to different people. Um, Personally, I think it's very difficult to properly clean a chain on on a bike. And so generally when I'm cleaning it properly, in inverted commas, and I don't do this every single time because it, you know, can be quite time consuming, but I would take it off the bike, you know, generally via the quick link and, you know, kind of use a strong degreaser to really kind of get everything out of it. But, you know, essentially to kind of like reset it and then re-lubricate it. But, you know, that is kind of obviously, you know, for a commuter bike, I don't do it that's impractical to do. So, you know, how, how do you recommend someone kind of goes about cleaning their chain whilst they're kind of, you know, washing their bike with a bucket and sponge? So I would probably wet the bike first, including the drivetrain. Uh, then I would spray degreaser on the chain 
there are different degreasers out there, some better than others, um, but generally spray it on, agitate it into the chain. Um, it's worth spraying a bit on the cassette as well and leave it for three to five minutes for it to work its way in. Different degreasers will have their own intricacies, but that's by and large a general rule. And when you're spraying it on your uh, drivetrain, if you've got disc brakes, then make sure you cover them uh, or don't spray any degreaser um, in its direction. So, for example, if the wind's blowing in that direction, then it'll get onto there. Um, I like to spray degreaser if, if I'm cleaning the chain on the bike and not taking it off. Uh, just underneath the drive side chain stay near, near the chain ring because that's the, the farthest point away from, from this brakes. Uh, so there's the, well, that that's the least um, riskiest place to for it to contaminate the pads. Um, so once it's worked its way in after three to five minutes, I would then wet it, clean it all off um, using a rag. Um, you can use a specific uh, drivetrain cleaning device as well, which is often a bit of plastic or or metal that has rollers inside oh, that you like spray. Yeah, toothbrush for your chain. Exactly, <laughs> that you spray degreaser into, and that does the same job. And there's even less risk of it getting onto your disc brakes. Um, but I don't find them as reliable. But that's a different topic. Yeah. Uh, well, I'll, yeah. I'll kind of interject there and say I'm not yeah. really a fan of those. No, nor am I. I. I think I think part of the issue with kind of chain cleaning and things like that is that basically you're trying to get stuff out from the inside of the chain yeah right? and those kind of chain cleaner tools which like the, i say they don't kind of, really do that do they, they? Don't really do yeah. that they just kind of brush you know like they said like two toothbrushes they just kind of brush the outside of the chain and they're not really quite getting in there where you want them to do so like you said it's kind of about getting that degreaser on the chain and kind of like allowing it to kind of soak yeah. in do its work you know you know one thing that i quite enjoy I find quite useful to do if I am cleaning a chain on a bike is instead of using aerosol degreaser sprays, which as you say, like are kind of like there are there are risks because you know you kind of you risk getting degreaser on your on your disc brake rotors on your pads, and they also have a habit of kind of like spray like they kind of the force of the aerosol can blow yeah oil and dirt as well, which can then end up on your disc brake rotors on your pads or on you know on the rims of your rim brake wheels. So what I quite like to do is have a kind of little bottle of degreaser and I often use a kind of an old like an old paintbrush to just dab it on. And you know, you might have seen pro mechanics doing that in the past, but I think that that often works quite well because you can then brush it on the cassette, brush it on the chain, and you can be a little bit more delicate because you know, obviously aerosols are not great for the environment anyway. But as as you said, like you know, you, you do need to be very careful with them. But if um, you've got an aerosol degreaser, quite often there'll be a plastic cap on top. You could just spray the degreaser into yeah. that and then use a paintbrush. Yeah, That's absolutely. the way to do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So, and then, so yeah, once you've done that, as you say, we can kind of, you can kind of like, you know, wash out the, wash out the degreaser once it's kind of clean, you know, if you've got your kind of clean chain and then, yeah, let, let, let's talk a little bit about lubrication. Now, as as you kind of already alluded to, I wax my chains, but what, what is your kind of favourite method of, of lubing a bike chain? So what I'll do after I've cleaned it, I will dry the chain. Um, it's best not to leave it overnight because then the chain might rust uh, and then that's that's never good um, because it will be noisy and you cause damage to your, to, to your chain. Um, so once the, the chain is dry, um, I'll then get a bottle of uh, chain lubricant I prefer using a bottle um, with a nozzle compared to an aerosol one. Hundred um, percent. Yeah, <laughs> I would. I would generally say no one should be buying no. aerosol lubricants. An aerosol lubricant is wasteful, and um, 
the best way to, to lube a chain is to um, get your um, drip lube and put one drop on each link. A good tip is to start at the quick link because then you know where you've started, so you know where to finish. If you start elsewhere in the chain, then you might forget where you've started. Um, and then once you've done that, cycle the chain round five to eight times. Um, you'll you'll probably hear it make a difference as you do that. Uh, and then wipe off any excess, and then you're good to go. It's generally best to wait a few hours before you before you ride if you are doing that just before a ride, just so that the lubricant can work its magic in the in the rollers of the chain. Yeah, and I think, as you say, you've just said it right at the end there, you know, you've got the lubricant has to kind of work its way into the chain. And I think one of the kind of misconceptions is that you want the chain to be, you know, the whole of the the whole of the chain needs to be lubed. But actually, if, if there's kind of excess lubricant on the outside... It's just going to attract dirt. It's just yeah. going to attract dirt. That's absolutely right. So it's very, very important to wipe off the excess. And don't think that just because the kind of outside of the chain is dry, that it isn't doing its job, right? Yeah. Yeah. ultimately where the magic happens is in the inside because it gets into the pins and rollers and that's ultimately going to going to stop the chain from wearing and and offer a smoother ride do you have any favorite brands yes so i like to use silka synergetic for uh, the road in the summer uh, so that is a drip based lube it's really expensive it's about 50 60 pounds but actually it's really good value because you don't use a lot of it uh so it comes with a kind of needle it does nozzle, yeah. doesn't it so you don't really have to apply very much no it. no um and when you consider that you could get a bottle of lubricant for 10 pounds and it's not going to last as long as a tiny bottle of the silica stuff then actually it's it, it represents really great value um however that is quite exotic to use off-road and in the winter um i really like to use fenwick's professional chain lube uh, it's quite thick and it doesn't offer the same silky smooth ride as the silk one does. But what I'm concerned about when I'm riding is I don't want to be able to hear lots of noise from the drivetrain. I, for me, the priority is it is a quiet ride and the Fenwick's loop is just amazing at that. I discovered it in the workshop at a previous job that I that I worked at, and I've used it ever since. Um, I don't wax my chains, which I know you like to do. Yes, maybe you will get uh, more longevity out of the chain, um, but then you're adding more well, adding more labour to getting that result. Um, and I find using either of those two lubricants uh, to be more than sufficient for the type of riding that I do. Yeah, I think that's generally fair. I mean, you know, I am, uh, we'll talk about wax chains now. I'm a kind of, you know, racy type person. I, you know, I race time trials. I like fast road bikes. And I kind of came to waxing chains. And when I say waxing chains, I mean kind of immersive, immersive waxing primarily. Um, so that's where you take the chain off, completely clean it of all kind of greases and things. And then you immerse it in a kind of molten pot of uh, paraffin wax, perhaps with some friction modifiers. And then you get a kind of solid, dry layer of hard wax on the chain. And the advantage of that is that because it's completely dry, it doesn't attract any contaminants and it keeps your drivetrain you know, fantastically clean. You know, and obviously a clean drivetrain is an efficient drivetrain because, you know, because of the things we've already sort of talked about. I think the reason I've sort of stuck with that is because I really like how clean it gets. And I think if you're into you know, road bikes or racing and, you know, or you don't mind cleaning bikes a lot, then it can be a really good option because you can extend your drivetrain life, you know, 
like it feels like almost indefinitely. I can't remember the last time I've had to like you know replace a chain ring, replace a cassette. You know, yeah, I keep checking my chains and they just they're never really worn out. But as you say, there is a certain amount of added work to it because because it's wax. You know, you don't get any protection from corrosion. So if I go out for a you know a wet ride, which as you say off road. In the yeah. UK, it's always going to be wet. You know, you come back and and you're going to have to completely reset that chain. Essentially, you have to clean it properly, dry it properly, and relubricate it properly. Otherwise, your chain's going to go rusty. Yeah, and like I've mentioned, um, for me, the priority with when I'm riding is that I don't want to be able to hear the chain. And one thing that puts me off waxing is that the chain is noisier for the first ride or so as it as the wax wears in. And for me, that that's a bit of a bit of a turn off yeah no i would generally yeah wax chains are definitely slightly noisier than um chains lubed with a kind of synthetic oil i think that is because because it's dry yeah you you've got to get a bit more of that kind of metally click clackiness whereas with a especially with as you kind of alluded to uh, a kind of thicker wet lubricant like the fenwick stuff there's a kind of there's a little bit more kind of stiction and that kind of dampens some of the noises so yeah if you if you like a kind of like you know whisper quiet drivetrain then yeah wax is probably not for you probably look at one of well, the a of, decent quality yeah, chain exactly, lubricant decent quality yeah. chain lubricant you know you, we kind of touched on it there about value and how you know some some chain lubricants such as silk or synergetic are can be very expensive and i completely agree you know my favorite kind of wax drip lube is a, a ceramic speed ufo drip that's like i think maybe 30 pounds for a bottle lasts a long time but it, you know it obviously compared to the kind of you know five pounds a bottle you pay at you know halfords or evan cycles for a kind of bottle of finish line or something it can seem very expensive but i think i would argue that buying cheap chain lube is something of a false economy because yeah, I, I agree yeah because essentially if it doesn't work that well it you know your chain's going to wear prematurely compared to running a better lubricant um, and then you're going to have to replace more expensive parts than buying that more expensive chain lubricant in the first place. And I think, you know, a lot of the kind of cheaper chain lubes are just kind of, you, you know, if you if you kind of read the ingredients on the back and look at the actual quantity of lubricant you're getting, you're not getting that much. And actually a lot of the rest of the kind of things in there are just kind of carrier fluids and kind of volatile substances that are designed to kind of you know, evaporate and just leave a little bit of lubricant behind. So Whilst they may seem like value for money, I think most people at Bike Radar, and as we've already alluded to, us included, would argue that they don't necessarily represent good value for money. One thing you'll find as well is that a lot of the chain lubricants that I've tried in the past, I'll apply them. And then, for example, if I go out on, on, on a wet ride, that's that's often the best test for when you're trying to find a really good chain lubricant. Because if it's really wet and it's full of puddles everywhere... Um, a cheap lube will will just be washed off instantly and you get that horrible grating noise of the chain meshing on the teeth of the cassette and chain rings. And um, like with the, with the Fenwick stuff that I was talking about, you don't get that at all. I find it lasts, even if it rains, two or three rides. In, um, and if it's dry, then way longer. But that's a reason to spend the money on, on chain lube. And generally, um, by having or by setting a routine of of chain cleaning, um, that's a really good chance for you to check your chain for wear. So uh, get into the habit of using a chain checker regularly and just do it at the same time as when you clean your chain because that way you know 
you know um, how worn it is. For example, if it's all, if one end of the tool, if you're using a, a go, no go gauge style tool, almost drops in, then you know I've probably got a ride or two left before before it's going to be at the wear limit. And uh, that way you, um, you know and change your chain and generally you, you get to know your bike better. Absolutely. I think that's fantastic advice. And if you want any more information on chain wear, chain lubrication, you know, waxing chains, we have lots and lots of in-depth guides to all of these subjects on bikeradar.com. As usual, if you have any questions, you can email us at podcast at bikeradar or leave us a comment on one of our articles. We always check and we will try to get back to you as soon as we can. As always, thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to leave us a review and subscribe if you haven't already. And we'll see you next time. Oscar, thank you very much. Thanks, Simon. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 